We have to have all five of those systems healthy. And I used and I chose evangelization as the first one on purpose because I know it's the one we struggle with the most. And I, I put that term in there for the first time in there on purpose too, because I know it's going to drive you crazy because it's so hard and it's so scary, but it is possible. And there is such a need for it in our culture today. And if you and I don't get good at that as a church, as leaders in the church, we are going to continue to grow older and shrink. And that is on us. Welcome to the Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst in the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Hi, and welcome to the Huntley Leadership Podcast. I am your host today, Ron Huntley, and I am interviewing nobody. Uh, I want to talk to you today about a topic that I think you're going to find really, really interesting. And it's really helping us to aim as a diocese or as, as a church. It comes from Rick Warren's book called Purpose Driven Church. We've modified it here in our diocese in Halifax and used it both at the Dawson level and at a parish level to kind of help develop a common language, a common understanding of what's required if we're going to be fruitful. I think it's critical that we remember John chapter 15, verse 8, where Jesus says this, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So I think to myself, if I want to show myself to be Jesus' disciple, then he's equipping me, giving me everything I need to be fruitful. And I believe that as a church and as a diocese. And I know things are difficult and I know it's not easy, but I do believe it is possible. I've lived it. I've seen it. I continue to help other people do it. And I want to help you today by unpacking the story of what we did wrong <laughs> and how we began to get it right in terms of those five systems. And then talk about the definitions that we attach to them or that I attached to them uh, just recently. And I'm going to break this down into two different podcasts to give you a chance to chew on it, talk with your people in your parish pastoral council, your leadership team. Maybe if you're a bishop and you're, you have your team, you can talk about it with them. But just recently got back from a, a trip where we did some of this work with a diocese. And it was so neat to have the entire presbyterate together and just challenge us to possibly use language and an understanding of a framework that we can use to gather. Now, let's wrestle with it. Let's talk about it. Let's define it. People come up with different definitions. That's fine. But the very effort of aiming, of being intentional about the language we use and the framework we use, what's so fun about that, as we go to work trying to put it in place, we're going to see gaps. <laughs> There's going to be some things that you're going to do well and some things you're not going to do well. Welcome to the human race. It's okay. But what's really cool about Seeing those growing gaps in our ability to execute with excellence, to be fruitful, is now we can get help. You know, because sometimes those gaps are there and we don't even know they're there, so they're blind spots. And that's not helpful when we're leading anything if we're leading from a place uh, where there's blind spots that aren't identified and therefore aren't addressed. But when we 
aim when we start to do things intentionally and go in a particular direction and we realize I'm not good at this or I can't do this. Now we're aware and now we can manage it and get some support and some help. And so I'm really excited to do that with diocese. And so this is one of the, the tools, the frameworks that we can use. So let me tell you about how we did this as a church and how <laughs> some of the mistakes we made and what we learned from them. I remember it was our, our parish pastoral council chair and our pastor at the time who took this framework from, again, Pastor Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Church, and said, how can we use these five frameworks in our Catholic context? And so the five to topics or areas are, or five systems are evangelization, discipleship, fellowship, service, and worship. And so we wanted to put those five things at play and develop a five-year plan in each of those areas. Because the thinking is this, you need to be good at all five. It's a little bit like the systems of the body. You know, you have your musculoskeletal system, you have your uh, respiratory system, you have your digestive system, you have all kinds of systems. And when they're functioning well, you don't even notice them. You just are able to flourish. But if even one of those systems goes down, you don't feel well. You can be really sick. You can actually die. And so it's really important that our systems are functioning and are as healthy as humanly possible. Well, the same is true organizationally for the church. And so those five systems, evangelization, discipleship, fellowship, service, and worship need to be functioning if you're going to be a missional parish. I remember being in a group meeting at one point in time. And there was one church in this area that was doing far better than the others. Everybody knew it. And believe it or not, that created some jealousy within the diocese. And so as somebody was talking about churches and five systems and how wonderful we could all be if we tried. And, and I asked, is there an example of a church that's doing this now? Because I was interested to hear what their perspective was. And they immediately shot down the church that was doing better than the rest of us. <laughs> thought that's funny. And then I asked them, well, if that church isn't it, that's okay. But more than just telling us what we need to do, isn't there anybody that's been able to do it that can show us? And one person who hurled the insults, I said to them, what about your church? You have a church. What are you doing? And that person said, well, we have a good soup kitchen. We have a good soup kitchen. That would be like a professional baseball player saying, I'm good at tying my shoes. You're a professional baseball player. You better be good at better, better be good at things other than tying your shoes. I expect you to be able to tie your shoes. Now, that's not to say everybody has a soup kitchen, but my point is you can't be just unidimensional if you're going to be a church that gets results. Just like you can't be a professional athlete with only one skill set. It just doesn't work. And so as a church, I think we have the opportunity to have all five of these systems working well and functioning well. So for us, when we got together with our parish pastoral council and our leadership team, we divided up those five systems. I was responsible for evangelization. And we we're asked to connect with other people who would be influenced in that area or running ministries in that area, gather them together and begin to talk about a five-year plan for that particular area. 
Then what we did is we were responsible to submit a report and then give a verbal presentation in front of the parish pastoral council and the leadership team. And so I went first and things went quite well. I had a lot of fun and that allowed us to then have further conversations about setting goals in the area of evangelization. Well, what we realized when the other areas came back, they weren't as accurate. And I'm being gracious when I say that. And it was our fault. We didn't define the terms for people. So then they went off to find them the best they could with their group of people. And from there developed a plan. Now, if you're not starting with the right definition, all the work you do in terms of creating a plan is going to be off. And that's what happened in our other areas. And so I'm telling you that so that you don't make the same mistake we did. Define your terms. It's so interesting how we make assumptions about using church language. And real, realistically, we actually don't have the same definition or working definition of the term. It doesn't mean one person's wrong and the other person's right. But in a church, you in a parish, you need to have a single definition. So when you say those words, you know what one another are talking about. So I'm going to share the definition that we came up with, or sorry, that I came up with just the other day. And I say I came up with because I forget the ones that we came up with when we were doing this uh, as a parish years ago. And so I had to make the definitions up again. And so I'm going to share them with you and I'm going to tell you why. The first one is evangelization. And this is the term I use. And I'm going to bring it up for those of you that are watching uh, on YouTube. It says this, the pro evangelization is the process of bringing people to a decision to place Jesus at the center of their lives for the first time. I'm going to say that again. Evangelization, the process of bringing people to a decision to place Jesus at the center of their lives for the first time. It's like, what? <laughs> like, what? It's like, yeah, why is that so important? And I think for me anyway, it comes from this quote from Pope Benedict XVI when he said, Christianity is not a new philosophy or a new morality. We are Christians only if we encounter Christ. Only in this personal relationship with Christ, only in this encounter with the risen one, do we really become Christians. Therefore, let us pray to the Lord to enlighten us so that in our world, he will grant us the encounter with his presence and thus give us a lively faith and open heart and great charity for all, capable of renewing the world. And so this whole idea of encountering crisis is at the center of being a Christian. Now, I went to church for a very long period of time before I ever encountered Jesus in a way that transformed my life. And once that happened, there was no going back. I couldn't unknow what I knew. Now, it took me years, if I'm honest, to continue to have the courage to step into the man that God was calling me to be. I was afraid. I knew it would mean changes. And it took me a while to develop that courage, that obedience, that discipline. Um, but as I did, the more happier I became, the more fruitful I became. And so it's really fun to consider that. But evangelization, if you don't define it, and for us, it's the first time. Why? Because if not, we just keep putting people through programs and say, isn't that great? We're doing evangelization. Wonderful. How many people have you brought to faith in Christ lately? 
Zero. Well, that's not evangelization then. That's discipleship. That's taking the people who consider themselves members of your church who are in love with Jesus and continuing to run them through programs. And we're really good at that. But we're not necessarily good at helping people make come to a place of putting Jesus at the center of their life, having a transformational encounter with Jesus and choosing to surrender and follow. When we do that for the first time, we've become a disciple. We've been evangelized. And we need to go on being evangelized. Once we become a disciple, we need to go on being disciple. But the definition of evangelization, of, of becoming a Christian for the first time, it's really important. And we actually measure that. So what are you doing in your church? What platforms are you using? What tools are you using? What goals are you setting in terms of how many people you're bringing into that transformational encounter with Jesus choosing to surrender and follow for the first time. How many have you done last year? How many people have you brought this year? That's a great way to define evangelization, set goals around it, hold yourself accountable to it. Because if you're not doing that, is your church growing or shrinking? Is it getting younger or getting older? You and I have an opportunity, responsibility, to be intentional about that system of the church needs to be healthy. And if we're honest, as Catholics globally, we're not particularly comfortable with that or good at that. But it doesn't mean we can't be. I know we've gotten really good at it. I know a lot of the churches I coach have gotten really good at it. Now, when I say that, those very people that I'm talking about would be the first to say they could get a whole lot better at it. But if they compare themselves to where they were previously, they've gotten significantly better at it. And new people are becoming Christians for the very first time. And it's really exciting. It creates a lot of energy, passion, and enthusiasm in your parish. And so that's the first system, evangelization, making Christians for the first time. And then um, what do we do with them after that? <laughs> What's the goal? Is once they become a disciple, once they've been evangelized, then they need to continue to go on being discipled. And so let's take a look at the definition for the second system that we came up with. Discipleship, the process of helping people grow in the knowledge of Jesus, his church and his mission, bringing them to maturity and faith and to have missional impact. Let's say that again. Discipleship, the process of helping people or, or new Christians grow in the knowledge of Jesus, his church, and his mission, bringing them to maturity and faith, and to have missional impact. Now, as I read that, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you could probably come up with better definitions of evangelization and discipleship. The point is be very specific and make sure that definition is something that you can work with, a working definition in your parish, so that when you say those words, you all mean the same thing. Because a lot of the tools that you're using in your church, you need to and you'll want to as you get this, these five systems down, you'll want to determine for each of the ministries that you have in your church, what's the primary purpose? 
And then perhaps what's the secondary purpose or the tertiary purpose, but what's the primary purpose of something? Because, you, you know, what happened when, when the whole term new evangelization came out, everybody said, well, new evangelization, that's catechesis. We have to do that in new evangelization. It's like, okay, um, new evangelization, that's, that's doing funerals well. That's the new evangelization. And, and it seems like everything had become evangelization. How many people were becoming Christians for the first time? Like, not very many, if any. But because we didn't have a good working definition, everything became evangelization, which absolutely wasn't true if it meant making new Christians. And in our lifetime. It's never been more exciting time to be an effective, fruitful Catholic because the market is ginormous. There's so many people who've fallen away or don't even know Christ. And, um, and I find that exciting. And I find that exciting because God makes a difference. God's changed my life. I'm not the same person I was before. Mind you, I still am. I can be a buffoon. I make mistakes. I sin. But I don't go as far down that trajectory or that that path as I used to. I know where to go with my sin. And I know that God loves me no matter what. And I know he's always calling me to be a better man, more generous, more gracious, more kind, more loving, more caring, more humble. And he makes a difference. Every morning I wake up, my purpose, my goal is to help make people great. And I think the best way to make people great is to bring them home to God have them encounter Jesus and be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and, and get their life on a trajectory that they can be proud of, their kids can be proud of, and that they know will leave a legacy of love and impact in their lives. Like to me, that is a life worth living. And that's why I want to bring people home to God. That's why the church matters so much. And that's why the work that you and I do in the Roman Catholic Church or whatever tradition you're from, but that's my home is the Roman Catholic Church. It matters. We have to have all five of those systems healthy. And I used and I chose evangelization as the first one on purpose because I know it's the one we struggle with the most. And I, I put that term in there for the first time in there on purpose too, because I know it's going to drive you crazy because it's so hard and it's so scary, but it is possible. And there is such a need for it in our culture today. And if you and I don't get good at that as a church, as leaders in the church, we are going to continue to grow older and shrink. And that is on us. Get help if you're not good at it. It's okay not to be good at it, but it's not okay to continue to let it flounder, to not measure it, and to not have tools that will help move that needle, that will help bring people home to God. I'm counting on you to do that because once people become a disciple, they need to continue to be discipled. And I think we're probably a little bit better at that. But what makes our discipleship programs probably not as healthy is there's nobody new or there's not many people that are new coming into them. And so they stagnate. And so you have the same 15 to 20% of your parishioners going through all the new programs that you do. And don't get me wrong, those are wonderfully faith-filled people, and aren't we blessed to have them? But they probably get a little tired of themselves, <laughs> talking to themselves, hearing the same things. But when new people come in, it brings new life to discipleship. I can't wait for the next stage of my life where I become a grandfather. Now, I'm not anywhere near that yet. 
<laughs> but despite my gray hair, but when that does happen, I know it's going to inject new life into our holiday seasons, into birthdays, into our family gatherings, into Christmas morning. It's just going to bring a whole outpouring of new life. And I think in the church, it's a lot like that too. I would strongly recommend you get The Purpose Driven Church. That is one great book. It, absolutely inspiring. But at the very least, I want you to continue to wrestle with the definition of discipleship and evangelization. And then we'll talk about in the next podcast, how to measure those things, when to measure those things, so that we can hold ourselves accountable to being very good at these five things. And if we are, I know your church will grow in its impact, uh, which as a leader feels really good when you know you're doing what God's called you to do in terms of impact. Because again, in John chapter 15, verse 8, Jesus said, this is to my father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Brothers and sisters, having a parish that is absolutely on fire, unified in language and trying and aiming to be fruitful is the very first step in us becoming great and having a terrific impact on the communities around us. Thank you for listening. If you've come up with different definitions, please send them to me. I'm sure you have, and I'm sure you will. And I will steal yours, or you can steal mine. We believe in case leadership, which stands for copy and steal everything. If there's ever anything that we say that's helpful, then please use it. No credit necessary. But if you're doing some things that are really helpful and coming up with much better definitions, then please forward them on to us so that we can share them with others. Because the more people that we can help, we're all in this together. That would be a ton of fun. So thank you for everything you do. Head over to our website. If you go to HuntleyLeadership.com, you'll see a big blue button in the top right corner that says connect with us. If you have any questions or comments at all, that's the place to leave it. Also, I think to myself, if you're at a place and a stage where you've been trying to do some of this stuff, maybe you've taken some courses and read some books and you've gotten as far as you can, but you feel stuck. It's normal. If you want to talk about what it might be like to take one of our courses and or more importantly, get into some deep dive leadership coaching. Boy, oh boy, I tell you, I bet we could help you get unstuck and begin to develop your parish and your leadership in ways that would make a huge difference. If that's something you're interested in as this year kicks off, then reach out to us, huntleyleadership.com. Push that blue button, connect with us, and let's start that conversation. God bless you. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. I want to encourage you as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.